You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome to Commute, the podcast. You drive and we'll talk. We are the podcast that aims to make you smarter by the time you get to your destination. Thank you so much for including us in your podcast rotation. We're excited to hang out with you each and every week. And we know a lot of podcasts exist and they're all vying for your time. But man, we are so appreciative that we have become part of yours and hopefully we're part of yours for a long time to come. We'd love to have you rate, subscribe, and review to Commute the Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It'd mean a lot to us and really help the show out. On this edition of Commute the Podcast, weathermen, they're always wrong, right? Can you use data to prove who the main character of a TV show is? Goofy, what happened to his wife? All of that on this edition of Commute the Podcast. Let's do it. So, Jay, when I wake up in the morning, before I really do anything, I check the weather. In fact, I actually check the weather before I go to bed the night before so I can I can see exactly what I want to wear to work. But how are you? What's your relation to the weather? You know, you and I are very different in a lot of ways, which uh, helps this podcast work, I think, in some ways. But uh, this is one of those ways. You know, you kind of uh, you you obsess over your weather app a little bit. You're very concerned about what the weather is. And I just sort of wake up and roll with the punches. I don't necessarily love your use of the word obsess there, um, but I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Weather forecasters get a super bad rap. How many times has it happened? The forecast calls for no rain and it rains. Or the meteorologist says, okay, we're going to have an inch or two of snow. And then you wake up and there's a foot of snow on the ground. All of us, myself, you, pretty much anybody yells at their TV. It must be nice to be paid for being wrong all the time. Jay, I'm here to say that that's probably not a very accurate statement. The truth is, meteorologists are a lot more accurate than we give them credit for. Sometimes the accuracy of a forecast, though, can come down to the perception of the forecast. So if you think about it, it's really difficult to predict not only the weather for tomorrow, but the weather for next week. Depending where you look, 80 to 90% of the time, meteorologists are accurate in predicting next day weather. And meteorologists are very, very, and understandably so, sensitive about this. If you Google weathermen and accuracy, you'll find a lot of blogs and op-eds of weathermen and weatherwomen being very defensive of their position and the way that they are viewed in terms of accuracy. I'll tell you what, though, Jay, they all have one common enemy, and that common enemy is New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick. So in 2014, Belichick said of meteorologists, if I did my job the way that they do theirs, I'd be here about a week. Based on the forecast we've gotten so far this year, none of them have been close to what game conditions were. There was 100% chance of rain last week, and the only water I saw was on the Gatorade table. They're almost always wrong. You know, I almost can't stand how much I love that idea that weathermen just sort of have this vendetta against Bill Belichick. I almost picture it like weathermen like to hang out in a bar or something, and they have, you know, a dartboard with Bill Belichick's face on it, and they just constantly, like when they wake up in the morning, they're just totally motivated by that Bill Belichick quote. They have it like on a post-it note, you know, on on their mirror. 
I just love the visual. This is the way our brains work, right? And we we tend to file information away that is meaningful, but then we sort of tend to overinflate that information, right? So like probably read the weather so many times that it's right, that it doesn't stick. But the one time that you read it and it says it's going to be sunny, so you plan a barbecue and then you get rained out, that's the one that sticks to your brain. You know, and a lot of weathermen love to bring up the baseball statistic. So they'll say, well, the best hitters in baseball hit 300 or 350. I mean, that means that they strike out six or seven times for every couple of base hits. The difference is, unless you're a fan of that particular team, you could care less. Weather, when they're wrong, it affects us all. All right, Dave. Well, you and I, uh, we're both TV lovers, but uh, we're both not really super high on the famous 90s television sitcom Friends. You know, I'm not really big on Friends. I don't really tell people, though. You are sort of strangely aggressive in the way that you tell people that you don't like Friends. Yeah, I have no idea how I became that way, to be honest with you. I mean, I I think something happened in my brain that said you can only be a fan of Seinfeld or Friends. And maybe it's because when they both went into syndication, they were on TBS back-to-back time slots. Yeah, it's sort of pathological. Um, It is. You know, friends being, uh, you know, okay doesn't necessarily subtract from Seinfeld. I'll tell you that, I guess. But uh, but, you know, when you look at TV shows, I always think it's really fun to have the conversation about who's the main character. You know, sometimes it's spelled out really obviously. Like when you watch Mad Men, Don Draper's the main character. When you watch Breaking Bad, Walter White is the main character. A lot of times it's spelled out for you. But when you really start to think about it, you know, the line of who the main character is gets blurred. Can we use data to prove who the main character is? Well, Yashu Seth, who's a data scientist, asked the same question. He said, can I prove with data who the main character of Friends is? Because, you know, the show Friends, who the main character is, is very subjective. There's six characters. Some episodes are centered on one and then another. Before I get into this, I haven't told you necessarily who the main character is. And, uh, you know, I know you've already probably switched off your mic and camera and you're not even paying attention. But uh, who is the main character of Friends? Uh, Who's your guest before I tell you? What are you talking about? (laughs) All right. So uh, lines spoken. That's the first data point that Yashusef used to figure this out. 9,000 plus lines were spoken by two characters. I'm sure you can already assume Rachel and Ross. So we've already kind of got some front runners here. Um, Chandler, Joey, Monica were about the same in the middle and Phoebe was uh, far in the back in line spoken. Number of words, Rachel and Ross, again, were very close. Total number of screen appearances. Uh, Chandler was the leader in that, but not by much. This is where it gets interesting. So at this point, you're, you're looking at it. You're looking at two top contenders, right? Rachel and Ross. And let's pause for a second and say, okay, how is he getting these numbers? Well, he printed off a transcript of every single episode of Friends, all nine seasons. So we're, we're working with every word ever spoken on the television show Friends. The data point that really pushes one character over the other is individual screen appearances. Who appears by themselves on the screen the most? And in that category, there is a clear winner, and it's Ross. All right, so 
Yashuseth decided to give the edge to Ross for this reason, barely over Rachel. A couple of uh, just kind of quick data points as well. The number of mentions in the episode title, Rachel actually beats Ross by three. She has 27, Ross has 24. Central Perk, the coffee shop, uh, is featured in 16% of all uh, scenes in Friends, and 26% of the scenes are shot in Monica's apartment. Uh, You know, are you going to give Friends another chance after this quick discussion that we had, or are you still out? What'd you say? Well, Jay, I know this might be hard for you to hear, um, and a lot of people may struggle to to come to grips with this, but there's a, a really good chance that the beloved Disney character, Goofy, that his wife's dead. So why is he so happy all the time? It's it, He's covering it up. He's covering it up. He's compensating. Like he's always focused on laughing and he's always just sort of making the best of every situation. So uh, this is definitely a wrench in the machine. I'm going to need you to explain a little more. Well, let's dive in and see if we can figure out what happened to Goofy's wife. So in the 1950s, Disney began um, using Goofy as a character. And Goofy really played what they call a suburban everyman figure. So he wore a suit. He worked in an office. And he raised a son named Goofy Jr. Now, Goofy did have a wife at this point, but she was always drawn with her back to the camera. Her face was never shown. And she does have some speaking lines, but they're very, very minimal. Now, in these 1950s cartoons, Goofy actually played another character, which is kind of funny. So Goofy, the character, played another character. And his name, George Geef. Now, old George was married at one point, okay? So he's married to this faceless woman. She's not in many episodes. She disappears. They never say where she went. Fast forward through the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s to Goof Troop. So Goof Troop is a show you probably remember. It aired in 1992. And in Goof Troop, Goofy was portrayed as a single father with a son named Max. So Goofy Jr. became Max. The character Max made a bunch of appearances throughout many, many Disney cartoons until 2004. In fact, he had a theater release, a movie that I love called A Goofy Movie in the 90s, where it was just Goofy, Max, there's no pictures in the house. There's no reference to any wife that Goofy ever had. Now, there are many internet sleuths that have taken a deep dive into this, Jay. And many of these web sources claim that Goofy and Max actually never mention a mother being part of the scenario. Now, Disney never formally commented on what happened to Goofy's wife with one very suspicious exception. Now, I believe this happened in the early 2000s. Disney had one line on the FAQ section of their website that said the following. Years later, when the television show Goof Troop was being created, Goofy Jr. evolved into Max, and Mrs. Goofy was no longer on the scene. Because these are fictional characters, they do not have real biographies, and we can only go by what appears on the screen. Perhaps someday there will be another movie or television show that will explain who Max's mother is and where Mrs. Goofy went. But until that time, there is no definitive answer. So even... Disney doesn't know what happened to Mrs. Goofy. <laughs> I just I just did not expect you to have this much information. Like I did not expect the rabbit hole 
to be this deep. And I, I have to say though, that like, I am currently you, I mean, you radicalized me. Like I'm a goofy truther now and I have to know, and I'm going to, I don't know if I need to stop frame the goofy movie scene by scene and try to find some sort of uh, clue. I don't know if I need to uh, email Disney executives, but I need to know the canonized explanation of what happened to Goofy's wife. Well, Jay, I, I really think it comes down to this. Can I ask first before you uh, kind of before you think about this uh, and, and talk about this? Uh, it, what is Goofy? I mean, is he a dog or is he some sort of like other creature? So that's probably a discussion for another episode. He is a dog, but there are some internet rumors out there that think he's a cow. Yeah, my problem with that uh, real quick is that, you know, Pluto is a dog and he is uh, seems to be owned by Mickey. So I have some problems with, uh, you know, Pluto being a dog being owned by Mickey, but then Goofy seemingly being a uh, dog who has free will. But Goofy is an evolved version of the dog. So I don't want to get into religion on this episode, but but Pluto and Goofy are, are probably of the same family. Definitely another episode of the show. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> as I was saying, Goofy doesn't really exist, but he has incredible value as an idea. So if you look into these types of things, and why does it even matter whether Goofy was married or not, or what happened to this is Goofy, most people don't care, and most people will never think about it. But Goofy matters a lot to Disney. He's part of what Disney calls the sensational six. Now, these are the untouchable characters within the Disney world. They are Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and the aforementioned Pluto. So what happened to Mrs. Goofy? Jay, we may just simply never know, but... I will say, once again, there's a strong consideration that she was murdered. So uh, you made a big jump there. I mean, you know, at the beginning, you were sort of insinuating that she had just disappeared. You know, I mean, we don't know. I mean, maybe Goofy's hands aren't clean. Maybe he... So do you think the next Goofy movie may be called Goofy Goes to Jail? (laughs) I was going to do a Goofy voice to sort of like, you know, I don't know. I was going to say something like, 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 (laughs) I didn't know where I was going with it. And that will do it for another episode of Commute the Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending your commute with us. Please rate, subscribe, and review to Commute the Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. For Jay Sisson, I'm Dave Traub, and hopefully you have arrived safely to your destination, and we'll catch you next week.